Thanks for joining us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. Take a second and send your story to amen at citychurchfl.org. And if you'd like to partner with this ministry financially, you can do that by going to citychurchfl.org slash give and select the giving option that works best for you. Once again, thank you so much for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. We're not complainers today. We're victors today. We're conquerors today. We're in this series entitled The Invisible War. And we are going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about this invisible war today. But I want you to hear this today. We are more than overcomers through Christ who is in us. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to read verses, verses 10 through 18. And I would have you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to begin with verse number 10. This is the quintessential this is the, the passage of Scripture in the New Testament on spiritual warfare. And as we read this this morning, I want you to open your heart to what God is saying to you. You are in a battle. Whether you recognize it, believe it, or, believe, or, or understand it today, you are in a spiritual battle for your life. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse number 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, everyone say therefore. therefore. Put on the full armor of God. New Living Translation calls it body armor. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition, everyone say in addition. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith for which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. I want to talk to you this morning on how to battle against the enemy and win. How to battle against the enemy and win. You may be seated. Now, I got a soldier up here. I know this is a mid-century knight, right? I know this is not a Roman soldier here, right? I got that. But it was the best prop that I could find, so give me a pass, okay? So this is a mid-century knight, but he's got some armor on, right? Now, a Roman soldier would have some of the same kind of armor, but it wouldn't be this extensive. But the Roman military, they were, uh, they were the, the force. They were the fighting machine of their generation. And in the backdrop of the Roman military, which really at that time had conquered the whole known world, their whole goal was to keep peace. They were all about economic prosperity. They were all about the expansion of the Roman Empire. And these soldiers, their job was to make sure that people stayed in their place. The Roman soldiers, when they walked into a room, everyone would notice, notice them. They stood out among the crowd. They were fully equipped for battle. They were fully equipped for battle. So Soldier Sam here, everyone say Soldier Sam. He's going to be our Roman centurion today, all right? He's going to be our Roman fighting guy. 
I want to talk to you this morning about how to fight this battle to win. How to fight the battle to win. The first week, we talked about the reality of the war. Whether you believe it, whether you understand it, whether you know, it makes sense to you, you're in a real life spiritual battle. We talked about that. We talked about the enemy of our soul, his plan, how he hates it, how he, des he desires to destroy everything about our lives, our family, our destiny. And here's a challenge that we have. In the Christian church, we have two extremes. We have one extreme that, that has kind of pushed Satan off into the realm of mythology, doesn't believe he's real, doesn't believe that, that he's a, there's a real-life spiritual battle. And there are people that actually claim to be Christians that have relegated everything to the natural. But then there's the other extreme that's looking for a demon under every bush, looking to blame the devil for everything. And the fact is, either extreme are wrong. The truth is, the truth is we are engaged in spiritual battle. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We're not here to glorify the devil. We're not here to give him any more credit than is due. But he is a formidable foe. He is a formidable foe. And his plan is to destroy your life and my life. And last week, Richard talked about preparing ourselves. Talked about the 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 belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and our feet shod with the gospel of the preparation of peace. Here's the deal. Those things we receive the moment we come to faith in Christ. The moment we say yes to Jesus, those things are given to us by God. We have the truth. We've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We now have the truth, the revelation that Jesus Christ is the only way. Our world is confused. Our world, our world, and we're grateful that we live in a nation, that people can choose to worship God any way that they choose. But Jesus wasn't pluralistic. Jesus believed that there was only one way through the Father, and that was through him. It was a very narrow path. Jesus wasn't confused about that. And so we have the truth that Jesus Christ is God, fully God. And so we have the belt of truth, but then we also have the peace, the peace of God. But then there is armor that we have to put on, that we have to take up. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how we do battle against the enemy and win with the shield of faith. Now, I got a little shield here. This is, this was uh, gratis of Pastor Kristen over in children's ministry. This wasn't the size. Good, just, just humor me, right? I'm just going to kind of hold this little... But the shield of faith in biblical times and in Paul's generation would look something like this. Massive shield. Massive shield. And the Romans were, were really noted for the decorative armor that they would wear. Like their helmet was really ornate. Even their shield was really ornate. But the shield that they would take into battle was one made with steel, made with wood, made with leather. It was wrapped. And what they would do is they would take the shield and they would, they would soak it in water. They would soak that shield in water, and when they went out into battle, they were prepared to fight the enemy. Because when a fiery dart, everyone say fiery dart, when an arrow would come, it would stick to the shield, and it would be extinguished. So the Roman soldiers were equipped. They were equipped. They had weapons that they used, offensive weapons that they used to battle their enemy. Now, about three weeks ago, Actually, it was exactly three weeks ago. I was sitting right down here where my son Keenan is sitting. And I was worshiping the Lord. And I was enjoying the service. It was first service. And I had these thoughts come through my mind. Oh, I can't do this again. I'm so tired. I can't preach today. 
I don't want to be a pastor any longer. I'm no good. People don't love me. I mean, I, I just had all these thoughts coming through my mind. And I got to tell you, I don't know about you, but I don't like those kind of thoughts. I was feeling pretty low at that moment. Here I am, I got my hands worshiping, and, but in my mind, I'm experiencing this battle. And all of a sudden, I realized that I was being attacked by the enemy. Now, it didn't happen in the first five seconds. I mean, those thoughts were rolling around in my brain for a just a little while there. And finally, I realized, hey, you know what? I, what am I preaching on today? Oh, yeah, the invisible war. We're exposing the enemy. We're exposing his lies today. You see, today, today you are engaged in a spiritual battle. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, Paul said. Our battle is against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in heavenly places. You see, we want to relegate this thing to the natural. We want to relegate, you know, our enemy is our boss, or my enemy is my spouse, or my enemy is my coworker, or my enemy is the, the Democrats, and my enemy is the Republicans, or my enemy is the Russians. No, 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 no. As believers in Christ, our enemy today, our enemy today is against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness that have a mission in life. Their assignment in life is to destroy you destroy you spiritually, to destroy you physically, to destroy you financially, to wreak havoc in your world and in your life. But here's the deal today, guys. Here's, the, here's three things you got to know. I'm going to go through this quickly. Three things you got to know. Number one is that God has already won the battle. Pastor Joe mentioned it. The battle has already been won. The Bible says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest. For this purpose, Jesus came that he might destroy the works of the evil one. We fight from victory, not for, vic not for victory. There's a big difference. When we're fighting from victory, we understand who we are in Christ. We are the child of God. We are a daughter of God. We are a son of God. The blood of Jesus has covered us and forgiven us of all of our sins. We have spiritual armor that now we can take into battle to engage the enemy. Someone said amen. So we fight from victory, not for victory. God has already won the battle. God saved you today. Ooh, how about that? God has saved you today to be an overcomer. That's what happens when you start shaking this thing around over here, getting fired up. <laughs> Holy water spilling all over the place. <laughs> Paul says, we are more than conquerors. Everyone say, I'm more than a conqueror today. You know that word conquer there in the Greek? Overcomer in the Greek is simply... Little tennis shoe that a lot of people run. I got a couple pair of them. Nike. You ever heard that word before? Nike. Just do it. You are more than a conqueror. You're a champion. That's what God says about you. You might not feel that way. You might not believe that today. That's not what, what your parents said or what the voice that you hear in your mind tells you. But that's what God says. You're more than a conqueror through Christ today. But God has asked us to do our part. You have your part. The very first Sunday, I talked about taking off the old and putting on the new. Paul says, put on the full armor of God. Put on the body armor of God. Today, today God has given us the potential. God has given us the possibility. God has given us the promise. God has given us the power to overcome every fiery dart of the evil one. Now, can't we all agree that we've had fiery darts come into our life? Can't we all agree that we've had been bombarded by the enemy? I, I mean, you, maybe you've just had a really good time in devotion. You know, you've been reading your Bible and you're praying, and all of a sudden, man, 
some terrible, wicked thought just comes passing through your mind. It's like, whoa, where did that come from? Or maybe, you know, you woke up on the right side of the bed, you're having a great day, and all of a sudden, hell breaks loose in your family. You're like, oh, they all, you know, and everything. It goes from positive, it goes from sunshine to rain, just like that. Where does that happen? How does that happen? Where does that come from? I mean, so many times we just want to say, you know what, man, they're, they're, they're wrong, they're bad. And that's true, they could be wrong. But the reality is that there's a spiritual force of darkness at work trying to stir things up in your life to get you distracted, to knock you off course, to rob your victory, to rob your joy, to rob your faith, to rob your hope, to keep you from living as an overcomer in Christ today. There are times that you and I are susceptible. There are times that we are more susceptible to the enemy than other times. One of the times that we are susceptible to the enemy is when we are taking significant steps of faith in our spiritual journey. When we set out to take significant steps of faith in our spiritual journey, we're going to be attacked by the enemy. You see, we're in a battle today. The enemy wants to destroy us. Do you think that when you say yes to God, the enemy is just going to roll over and say, oh, yeah, just go ahead and live a great life? No, that's not what he's saying. There is this cosmic battle in the unseen realm. Uh, you say, you know what, 2017, I'm going to read my Bible through. 2017, 2017, I'm going to start to tithe. 2017, I'm going to share my faith with my neighbor. I mean, whatever that spiritual step you're going to take, I guarantee the moment in your heart you say you're going to do something, there's going to be resistance. There's going to be spiritual resistance. The enemy's going to tell you you can't do it. The enemy's going to tell you they don't want to hear it. The enemy's going to tell you, you know, I mean, you missed your, this is what happens in the Bible reading plan. This is what happens in the Bible. You start off, man, you try to read the whole Bible through. So, you know what, I'm going to read the book of Genesis in one day. So you sit down and you get to the book of Genesis and maybe you get like halfway through before you fall asleep. Or maybe you just get to the first chapter and you fall asleep. I mean, there's enough action going on in the first couple chapters. You can stay pretty engaged. But then you get in the middle of it, they're talking about names and places, and you get lost, and then you get through February, and you realize, man, you've only read like the first five chapters of the Bible. And you feel bad, guilty, ashamed. See, that's the fiery dart of the evil one, to make you feel shameful. You're inadequate. You can't do it. You're just a spiritual wimp. So those are lies of the enemy that come into our life. When we expose the enemy for who he really is, we pull the veil off. So there's a real live enemy. There's a real live enemy. There's a, there's a real power of darkness that's at work in our world today. It's evident. It's so evident. Wars, destruction of generations, abuse in the home, addictions. Those are real live works of the enemy to destroy mankind. You're a believer. And you repent of a sin. You've been stuck in a bad habit. You've been stuck in a sinful behavior. You say, you know what, God, I'm going to get my life right with you. The moment you repent and come clean before God, guess what? Boom, the enemy attacks. We have some people that are in Celebrate Recovery. And i got to tell you, man, if you, if you have walked through the addiction process in your life, if you've had a life-controlling addiction in your life, you know the battle's real. You know it. You know, I mean, you give your life to Christ, you walk away from drugs, and the first moment you do, someone walks up to you and says, hey, how about a free joint? Or how about if I buy you a beer today? 
I mean, the moment you walk away from some sinful habit, the next thing you know, the enemy is just right there to try to pull you back into the pit. And when we're preparing, when God is preparing us for a greater work, when God is preparing you and I for a greater work, we're susceptible to the enemy's attacks. I was preparing this message, thinking about this reality, and I realized today how crucial, how absolutely crucial the shield of faith is. I was going to try to cover the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, and I got through this week, and I thought, you know, really, man, this shield of faith is so significant to your walk. Because the Bible says, not only shall the just live by faith, but it is impossible for you and I to please God unless we live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. All the heroes of old, as imperfectly as they live, the one thing that set them apart from other people in their life is they had faith in God. They had confidence in God. So how do we do it? How do we battle the enemy and win? What does Paul said? In addition to all this, in addition to the belt of truth, in addition to the breastplate of righteousness, in addition to your shoes being shod with the gospel of preparation of peace, take up the shield of faith. Everyone say shield of faith. So we take up the shield of faith. Now what is faith? Well, what is a shield? Shield is something that blocks. Shield is something that stops, right? Shield is something this large. The Roman seals, they were huge. They were at least four feet tall. They actually interlocked. They actually interlocked with one another so they could march together as an armored troop. They marched together. That's another interesting thought there. But you take up the shield of faith. Faith is simply this. The confidence, the assurance, the trust and the promises, the power, and the program of God for my life. The, everyone say confidence. The assurance. The trust. And the, and the promises, the power, and the program of God for your life and for my life today. We take up the shield of faith. This is not just a saving faith. There's, this is not just a, a faith that gives, yes, says yes to Christ, and now I come into the kingdom, now I'm a Christian, everything's going to be great. No, 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 no. There is a saving faith, but I call this a active faith, a living faith, a walking, talking, breathing faith. You can't get saved without faith, but you also can't live the believer's life without faith. Listen, if you're taking ground for the enemy, do you think that he's going to just sit there and roll over and take it? You see, as we are battling, as we are engaging against the powers of hell, I want you to know today we take up the shield of faith so that we can quench every flaming dart of the evil one. That's why we take it up. That's why we take up the fire, this shield of faith. What is the shield? What is the fiery dart? You've had them and I've had them. A fiery dart could be a blasphemous thought towards God that comes through your mind. A, a, a fiery dart that possibly the enemy could use against you is, is, the, is the, a, a strong temptation, strong temptation to sin, strong temptation to go back to the old way of life. Fiery dart in life could be questioning the motives of other people. I mean, maybe you've been in a relationship with somebody for 10 years, 15 years, and all of a sudden you just have this thought, do they, do they really care? Do they really love me? 
You've been part of a local church for a long time, and all of a sudden, man, you get this thought, does that church really care about me? I mean, do they really, really care? If something happened, would there be anybody that would even really care? That's a fiery dart of the evil one. Or maybe you have an overwhelming emotion of, of hatred towards someone. I've seen a lot of hatred spewed here over the last several months. Whew. This has been a really vitriolic, hateful, mean-spirited season in our American culture. Now, every election, I feel the same, but this one just seems like it's gone over the top. There's a spirit of murder, a spirit of hatred, a spirit of division that's sweeping across our land. Where do you think that comes from? Do you think that that's God? No, 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 no. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. God is for unity. God is for blessing. God is for love. God is for favor. God is for grace. God is for increase. But Satan has come to kill, steal, and destroy. So these attacks come, these fiery darts. The goal of the fiery dart is to get us to shift our focus or our trust onto something or someone else other than God. That's the goal. That's the goal of the fiery dart. So how do these attacks come in your life? How do these fiery darts actually make their way into their life? In Genesis chapter 3, right there in the very beginning, we, we see the, the, the example. We, we see the classic example of how Satan works. In Genesis chapter 3, the Bible says, Now the serpent was more crafty, more wily. He was slick. He was a smooth operator. Paul said he was like an angel of light. He was like the fawns back when I was a kid. You know, in happy days. Ugh. He was crafty. He was slick. He was bad. More crafty than any other beast of the field. And he said to Eve, did the Lord God really say? Did God really say you shouldn't do that? See, he came crafty, wily. I mean, if Satan came to you and, man, it was just all... <laughs> the omen, exorcist. Walking Dead, whatever you choose to pick there. You're like, oh, I'm running. Right? That's not how it comes. He's smooth. He hangs these little love trinkets. Oh, it's so good. Did God really say it's wrong? Did God really say it's wrong for me to do whatever? Did God really say? And I could go down and we could clothesline preach, but you know, in your heart. See, God... Satan comes and he disguises himself as an angel of life. He's like, baby, it feels so good. How could it be so wrong? Oh, baby. He disguises himself. Come on. And then he sows doubt. He starts to cause you to doubt the promises of God. He causes you to start to doubt the truth of God's word. And then deception slides in. And John says, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life take over. And we willfully sin against God. And so how do we do this? How, so the enemy has come in, but how do we extinguish these fiery darts? How do we fight this battle to win? Number one, by faith, I trust in God's character. By faith, I trust in God's character. Psalms chapter 86 says it like this, For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. For you, Lord, 
are good. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. That's who he is. We trust in the character of God. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. God is good. God is for you. God absolutely has your best in mind today. If God be for you, who can be against you? See, Satan wants to lie in your ear. He wants to whisper, is God really that good? Oh, come on. If God was so good, then why did the babies die in Africa because they don't have any food? If God is really so good, why, why do you have this problem in your life? If God is really so good, he just whispers these, the, these little lies, this doubt, this unbelief. He whispers it into your ear. But I want you to hear today the way that we overcome the enemy, the way that we quench the fiery darts of the devil is we put our trust, we put our confidence and assurance, we put our belief, our hope, our trust in this thing that the character of God is good. He's a good father. He's a good father. Job, who is a man in the Bible, Special man, special man, loved God, blessed man, had great increase, great favor in his life. And the Bible says in Job chapter 2 that the enemy came to God. And I don't know how this cosmic thing worked out, but the enemy came and said, you know, that guy Job over there, the only reason he worships you is because, you know, you just give him a free pass on everything. And God allowed the enemy to attack him. God has allowed attack in your life. There's something about spiritual warfare that builds a resistance in your life. There's something about fighting for the good that causes you, that teaches you, trains you how to war. Because you are in God's army today. The moment you said yes to Jesus, you signed up to be a soldier in his army. The moment you said yes to him, the purpose, the destiny, the call for which you were created has become alive. And Job, man, he's gone through hell. Here's the thing, when you're going through hell, just don't stop. <laughs> he was going through hell, and his wife said to him, Job, why don't you curse God and die? Wow. Not only is the devil trying to take him out, his lovely wife is trying to take him out. You know what Job said? Shall we indeed accept good from God and shall not accept adversity? And the Bible says, in all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. See, Job knew the character of God. Job knew the character of God. I want you to say with me. Say with me. God is good. All the time. God is good. Let's try it again. God is good. All the time. God is good. He's a good God. The second thing today is we, might, we put our faith and our trust in God's promises and his word. We put our faith and our trust in God's promises and his word. God promises that he will accomplish what concerns you. God promises that he will accomplish what he has said concerning you. There's a guy in the Bible, his name was Balaam. He was a, he was a prophet of God. He was a very imperfect man. As a matter of fact, he was a hard-headed, stubborn old guy. But God chose to use him. You know, God even uses the hard-headed, stubborn, cantankerous, curmudgeon sometimes. I don't know why he does, but he still loves me. Someone said amen. <laughs> this guy was a stubborn guy, and, but God had called him. 
And Balaam was operating in his gift, and the children of Israel had gone into war, and they were winning battles. And there was a king by the name of Moab, and they were next in line to be conquered by Israel. And so Moab thought, well, you know what? If I can just get this guy, this guy Balaam, this prophet, to curse the people of God, we'll be able to beat him. Isn't that interesting? He wanted him to curse the people of God. He wanted to speak negative words, defeat over their life. Balaam says, listen, listen, no way. He said, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? Behold, I receive a command to bless and he has blessed See, that's God today. That's, that's the promise of God in our life today. God has promised to bless his children. From Genesis to Revelation, the heart of God is to bless those who are his. The Bible says the blessings of the Lord make rich in spirit and soul and body. The blessings of God. God told Abraham, Abraham, I will bless you and I will make your name great. God told Adam and Eve in the garden, I will bless you. I will cause you to increase. God told Noah, I will bless you. Jesus called the disciples together and said, blessed, blessed are they who seek to do God's kingdom. The heart of God is to bless you and I today. See, when that dark, that lie, that unbelief, that doubt, that overwhelming temptation comes into your life, I want you to know today, you got over 3,500 promises in the book of God. 3,500 promises. You're feeling overwhelmed by guilt, by shame. You've done something in your life. You think, how can God still love me? How can he forgive me? You got the promise of God that says, if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that God has raised Christ from the dead, I shall be saved. You have the promises of God that says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You're walking through a dark time and you feel all alone. You have the promise of Jesus today that says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you today. You're looking at your bank account and you don't know how it's going to happen. You can't figure out how you're going to pay your bills. You got the promises of God that says, I am Jehovah Jireh. I am the God who will supply and meet all of your need according to his riches and glory. Oh, you see, you might be feeling overwhelmed today, but I want you, you can take up that shield of faith. You got the promises of God that are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Someone said amen. That shield of faith, that promise of God, quenches every fiery dart of the evil one. It was 2008, the Great Recession had hit this country. People in our church were losing their homes. I mean, it was just a frightening time. I remember taking phone calls and talking to people into our church that had had to walk away from their homes. It was just a very, very tenuous time in our nation. We were on the border of complete economic collapse. I remember I was, I was sitting in the parking lot at our church over at airport campus, and our business administrator at the time, he was responsible for paying the bills, and, and he said, Pastor, i got to talk to you. And so I said, well, let's go out into my truck, and we went out to the truck. It was about 20 minutes before service, and he said, Pastor, today's Wednesday, and payroll's Friday, and we don't have enough money to make payroll. And I remember, I re it was like yesterday, I, I could see the fear. I mean, he was carrying the load and carrying the weight. And I said, brother, number one, it's not your load to carry. It's not your weight to carry. This is Jesus' church. 
And I remember I looked at him in the eye. I said, I said, brother, I said, I've never seen, I've never seen God forsake me. I said, I've never missed a meal. I've never been late on a payment. I said, God hasn't failed me in the past, and God's not going to fail me today. He looked at me, and he was like, all right, pastor, I trust you. I said, let's pray. I remember this. Like yesterday, I took his hand, and we just prayed a simple prayer of faith. I said, God, we trust you. We believe you for the resources. Fifteen minutes later, I got out of my truck. Man walks up to me, has an envelope in his hand, hands it to me. I walk into the church. I go to my office. I open the, I open the envelope, and it was a check for $15,000. Payroll was met on Friday. Come on, we take the promises of God that are yes and amen in Jesus today. We trust his character. We trust his promise. But we also trust his program. We trust his program. It's his ways. It's his program. It's his timing. It's not our timing. God ain't a magician in the sky. He's not a great big little Santa Claus up there, or a little genie. You can just rub the little bottle right and out, pop, out pops God with three wishes for you. That's not how it works. And God's got a program. God's got timing in your life. And his timing is perfect. The program of God and the timing of God are seldom easy. They're seldom easy. But they're always good. Because it's always about this. It's always about your best. But ultimately, about your life bringing glory to him. The fiery darts come. The battles come. The promise. You have these promises of God. But from the time of the promise to the time of the realization of it being fulfilled can be a journey. And that's the journey that we walk through. And what are you going to do in the meantime? What are you going to do when that promise, you have the promise of God and it hasn't been realized yet? You know what you're going to do? You're going to stand. You're going to stand and you're going to put on the full armor of God. And you're going to take that shield of faith which quenches every fiery dart of the evil one. There was a man by the name of Abram. Abram was the father of faith. The three great religions of the world today. Christianity, Judaism, and the Islam faith all see Abraham as their father. Here's the deal, guys. The Bible says in the book of Romans that Abraham, Abraham had a promise of God that he would be a father of many nations. God takes him out to the, out, outside. He says, I want you to look up into the heavens. He says, when you look up into the heavens, I want you to try to count all the stars. And as many stars as you can count, you're going to have more descendants than that. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And I will make your children's name great. So that they can be a blessing to the nations. That was the promise of God. He was 75 years old when he got that promise. 76 years came. 77 years came. 78 years came. 79 years came. 80, 81, 82. It was a long time off between the, the promise and the realization of the fulfillment of that promise. But the Bible says in Roman that Abraham did not waver in unbelief. Did he do it all perfectly? No. Abraham made some mistakes. He made some failures. But here's the deal. He never took his eyes. He never took his eyes off the promise of God. He never took his eyes off the reality that the Father was good. He never took his eyes off the character of God. If God promised it, God will not lie. And the Bible says he didn't waver. And at the age of 100, he received his promise. See, sometimes 
We're waiting, we're waiting. God, where are you at? But here's the deal. Isaiah says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts, declares the Lord. For as the high as the heavens above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. God is God all by himself. And today we trust in the character of God. We trust in the promise of God. We trust in the program and the timing of God. How do you quench every fiery dart of the evil one? You trust God. Close your eyes. You're here today. Your life is far from God. You know today. You know that you're not living by faith. You're not walking with Christ. You know that today. In your heart. And you feel this tug. You feel something just pulling on you today. That's God's Holy Spirit. And God's Spirit is calling you into a relationship with Him. God wants to. God wants to enable you to live a life of victory. God wants you to live a life as an overcomer. And you're here today, and you know your life is a right with him. When I, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. In just a moment, we're going to pray for you to receive the grace of Jesus in your life. One, two, three. You're in this room right now. You know you're far from God. Anyone in this room right now? Yeah, I see those hands. I want all the believers, I want everyone in this room, there are many that raise their hand today that know, that know that they're far from God. I want us all to say this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace. I admit today that my life isn't right with you. But I believe today that you are calling me to a relationship with you. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart, Lord Jesus, that you are calling me to be one of your children, to live a life fully dedicated to you. Lord, I'm asking right now, by the power of your grace, to change my heart, to make me new in your wonderful name. Amen.